Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottel, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey there, and welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. I am Brenda, the HR lady, and I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. If you're a returning listener, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, this show could not happen without you all. And if you are a first time listen, welcome, 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 welcome. Uh, I'm here to share with you the what and the how in human resources because I'm in the human business and that means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. So today I'm going to share with you our main interview because it's Thanksgiving and we all need a break. So trust me, the news is going to be there when we get back on Monday. (laughs) We're just going to take it easy. Um, This is such an awesome conversation that I really wanted you to get as much out of this and so that you can go and enjoy your holiday. So no announcements, no questions, just an absolute stellar conversation with my friend, U.S. Navy SEAL John McLaren in our last episode tribute to our veterans in the month of November. So today we're going to be talking about battling limiting self-beliefs. There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation has dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number, launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the special operations community as a SEAL. I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear, to impact every transitioning service member from the U.S. Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support, and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life. Today, folks, we've got somebody awesome coming on. Of course, I like to say that about a lot of people, but this guy is truly awesome. We've been 
we've been playing tag for a long time and uh, got a chance to finally link up and uh, got built an awesome relationship between the two of us. Um, he is also known as the king of the wicker people. His name is John McLaren. <laughs> he didn't think I was going to do that. <laughs> did not think you were going to do that. <laughs> it's my show. Remember, John? <laughs> I totally, I see you've laid down. The gauntlet has been That's thrown right. down. <laughs> you know what? In today's world, man, you just have to laugh. It's just all there is to it. But John is a, um, I don't want to say the word former because I know better. John is a Navy SEAL who has not been in the service for quite a while and uh, does a lot of really awesome things. His company, Direct Action, he trains uh, young men who are working to uh, go into BUDS and be actually become the next generation of SEALs and uh, just a super guy, two cool dogs. And so that's, you know, the first thing that we do is we talk about is let's get the, let's get the most important stuff out of the way before we do business. How are the dogs? So... <laughs> So welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here too. I know it's been a long time coming and that was uh, my fault, not yours. I keep in touch with your uh, your podcasts and your work all the time, but I get so immersed in mine as, as you do yours. I get so immersed in mine that a couple of weeks ago, I came up for air and you were, uh, um, after taking care of the dogs, you were my <laughs> next phone call. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm really glad that you're here because I am excited to talk about what we're talking about because the timing could not be perfect on this. And yeah. it, before we get into that subject, because we both have the capability, we have both have the gift of gab. Um, can you please kind of help people understand a little bit more about what it is that you do and your background and, and just kind of set the stage for what we're about ready to chat about? Sure. Thanks. It's challenging for me too. I've always said that I, uh, I look for what's not being done in a system, what's not being accomplished somewhere. So I often joke that I've made up every job that I have because a lot of them didn't really exist. Um, essentially, I, I have a run a nonprofit called Direct Action. So one of the things we do that you brought up, I'm, I'm a former Navy SEAL and you brought up, I have the Navy SEAL candidate program, mm -hmm. which is actually a youth mentoring program as well. It's designed that if you go there, you will know exactly what you need to do and how to prepare and whether you're the right candidate. Now, by the way, the SEAL team accepts women. So whether you're the right young man or woman to actually go there and what you need to do to train. But because about 60% of our candidates um, don't go into that military, what they're really doing is they're finding out what they're good at. I always say all of us can be in the top 10% somewhere and um, we need to work hard enough and learn enough and commit enough of our efforts to actually understand. You know, people constantly tell young people, find your passion. It is impossible to find your passion if you've not done hard work, period. That's true. You're just not going to. There'll be in a, a few people, someone will know at an early age, they'll want to be a surgeon or something like that. And they'll, they'll be right on. But in general, we're asking young people, when I say young people, I mean under 30, 35, by the way, we're asking them to find their passion when they've never tasked task themselves to work hard enough to be really be in touch with that. So it's one of the things the program does. We have, um, our program is the Navy SEAL candidate program and it's designed specifically to create graduates and raise the bar in the SEAL teams. Also from my own personal standpoint, we're trying to develop a quality of candidate who understands themselves so well, whether it be in professional leadership, the corporate development side, that they're less likely to have depression, post-traumatic stress, all these things that we're seeing come up now in the civilian world and the military world. So that's what Team Eagle One is. And direct action 
it's my primary breadwinner. Team Eagle One's kind of a labor of love, um, except donations. I donate all my time for that. It's uh, not a paid position. It's something I just do because I find it to be necessary in the world and beneficial. It certainly benefits me. Love doing it. But direct action is uh, leadership biomechanics and corporate culture. Mm. Uh, I got into this world out of the military, started working in the physical side, physical training, rehab, but also security, like uh, private investigations, uh, skip tracing, bounty hunting, civilians call it, but skip tracing, things like that. Very rapidly realized that although that was interesting and could make money, it wasn't moving the needle, wasn't helping anyone. You know, it was solving an immediate problem, an immediate threat. Uh, that took me down the road to working in domestic violence prevention, child abuse, child sexual assault prevention, things like that, and starting to, again, try to fill the gaps, fill the gaps. So for your purposes, for our purposes in HR and corporate, same thing. Mm -hmm. When I hear someone complain about something over and over again in a corporate culture, I think, well, that's just a lack of us fixing it. Right. right. So my clients always call me, my clients always say, you're like the Ray Donovan fixer. And I said, yes, except everything I do is legal. We don't need any baseball bats for what I do. So, <laughs> you know, leadership biomechanics is a term I came up with myself um, some time ago and actually trademarked it because I realized people weren't breaking down leadership. You know, one of the first things I do in a course is I'll say, give me the qualities of a good leader. Everyone knows them. The whole class comes up with them. And so my next question is, why aren't we all amazing leaders then? Because we all have had integrity. We've all have been responsible, at least for a minute, even me for a minute. You know, we've all been authentic. We've all been knowledgeable. So I just had to ask myself, just like I did in violence prevention, stalking, harassment, domestic violence. I do a lot of domestic violence work. And so that translated to a lot of corporate violence work. Let's learn how to minimize that. In, instead of constantly being reactive. Right. We want to be reactive, definitely, but proactivity uh, of, uh, minimizes the necessity of reactivity and reactivity is costly emotionally and financially, right? Mm -hmm. that's your, you, you and I were just talking about that, right? So, so that's really, uh, I realize it says I, I do a lot, but it's all under one thing. Everything breaks down into basic steps. And if we understood leadership, really understood leadership, if you really understood corporate culture development and team development, we'd be able to find out why great people may not be creating great teams. That's right. And why great people may not be creating a corporate culture that lasts. You know, if you and your corporation have a growth mindset, we hear that all the time, growth mindset, is very, very common that we left the people behind. We've got these little dead and injured bodies all over the side of the road on our track from three to 5 billion. You know, we're moving to three to right. 5 billion and we've got all these dead bodies. Unnecessary. But sometimes the people driving the growth mindset train, um, that takes a certain type of brain chemistry, right? I talk a lot about brain chemistry, a lot, a lot, a lot, because all of the answers of leadership are right there in chemistry. And... Um, so some little behaviors we have when we're driving that three to five million, three to five billion change, you know, uh, keep us from melting down all the people behind us. Remember, all change is scary, even if you're yes. excited. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying that. Even and if you're excited, right? <laughs> even if it's exciting, change yeah, is scary. It it's the same chemistry. Excitement yes. and terror is the same chemistry, give or take. Yeah, it is. <laughs> just like, just like um, fear and anger. It's the same, same kind of a thing, right? Yes. So. Yes. 
so this episode, we're talking about battling limiting self-beliefs and, and this month, you know, the month of November, every year, when I do these shows, I dedicate November to figuring out, you know, how to support the veteran network. And this is a really great opportunity for people to kind of understand from an elite position like yourself, but you, you mentioned like change is scary. Okay. And you know, they're a person on this planet that doesn't battle limiting self-beliefs. We all, we all, <laughs> every day, every, every day. That's right. Most hours, most hours. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And so, I mean, let's take a step back. When you went through buds, everybody who goes through buds has to battle the dragon called quit. <laughs> they all battle that dragon called quit. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, there's a few people, I, I hear people talk about this. Again, I've, I've trained hundreds of SEALs. I have friends of mine uh, who have worked with me, uh, Mark James uh, down at Bud's, whatnot, really fantastic guy. Also went through Bud's in the eighties. Um, and uh, now he's back at Bud's in a second phase instructor as a civilian and has been for years. So he and I compare notes a lot in things cause he, he gets to them at a different angle. He also sees all of his candidates after they've been through hell week or whatnot. And quitting is mostly, um, it's not on the table. Very few people quit at that point. They've, they've passed the right. point where they've learned enough about themselves that they're not going to quit now. Yeah. Uh, Budge is not, Budge is less physically challenging after that. It becomes more demanding in other ways, second and third phase. So, but quitting is interesting. Um, we all quit every day. Yep. We all quit every day. Right. And uh, we, or we want to quit. We get close to something, quitting something. You'll, um, when we think about it, if we break quitting down to its basics, Quitting is anything we resisted doing that we should have done or could have done, right? So we quit when we think, oh, I should finish folding that laundry. Nah, I'll wait. I don't want to fold that laundry. It's on I our mind. It's dishes. negative. Yeah. So we talk about big ticket items in buds, but a lot of times it doesn't translate down to the ground level where someone says, wow, yeah, I deal with quitting too. And I also deal with not starting, which is quitting. Yes deal with something that I think is my passion or I think is my desire or I think would help me professionally, but I'm quitting. It's all just comes down to brain chemistry. Now, I personally, I never considered quitting in buds and it doesn't make me tougher. And I'll tell you why I think it is that I didn't consider quitting. One, I, there weren't books and movies around a lot in the eighties. I didn't know anything about buds. So I actually thought that buds was like boot camp. I thought it was going to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week for like six to seven or eight months in a row. And I was a kid who grew up, I don't want to say I was a dumb kid, but that, that cat might be out of the bag right now. That horse, may, that horse may, may have left the barn in my last statement right here. I was probably just a little naive. So I thought buds, so I trained like, I trained like they're going to go 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because I grew up watching Vietnam movies and everything. I was convinced that they could beat me like, like beat me up. I thought instructor going to take me behind the woodshed there and, and beat me up. Uh, and that, that might've been true in some programs at some time, but I was in the eighties, you know, I was, yeah. um, um, for those of you who are, um, you know, I was in the you know, class 146, for those of you who are out there listening, who are familiar with that. So that puts me like 86, I think 1986. And uh, so I went to buds thinking, okay, as far as I'm concerned, I am as mentally and physically prepared for seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and people beating me up as I can possibly be. Uh, fortunately, the 80s had happened. 
And Bud's wasn't that way. It wasn't ever that way, actually. I just didn't bother checking. I just thought, okay, I want to go to Bud's. I know it's going to be hard. Why bother with the specifics? Right. And I say that as kind of a warning to young people, anyone out there who thinks about Bud's. You get so caught up in saying, what's this like? What's this like? What's this like? None of that matters. None of that matters. Yeah. How strong do I have to be to go all day, every day? And, and what do I need to do? And how long, really important, how long do I have to spend uh, in training to be able to take that, that increased level of intensity? So, um, so when I got there, I, I didn't really think about quitting. Um, I had really fully prepared as much as I could without knowing anything about BUDS. And um, it was what I thought it would be. Here's another thing. For those of you, I came from the fleet. I had spent a couple of years in the fleet as a cryptologic technician working uh, in the coding you know, intelligence field. And um, so for me, I was kind of used to, it was the biggest break I ever had. All you had to do is show up and put out, right? All they want you to do every day in BUDS is show up and put out. There's no decisions to make at home or after work or do anything. It's like a year. Well, now it's a year. At that time, it was a little shorter. It's like a year of nothing to do but that one thing. And that's incredible. For those of you out there listening who are in the professional field, imagine just one thing. No kids <laughs> at home to worry about. No, no special meetings that you show up tomorrow and you do, even if it's two of the hardest things at work, it's two of the most passionate things. And that's all you have to do for the next four weeks. So for me, I was like, wow, on my head, this was kind of a break, mm-hmm. even though on my body was kind of, kind of difficult. So I didn't really think about quitting, but I think I had over, I think I had expected it to be, um, and I'm not saying it was easy. I'm saying I'd expected it to be like bad Vietnam movie level. And now I would have never said I got this. I, I was just spent, you know, a year and a half or two, a year and a half prepping seven days a week, paying attention to this as much as I could. I was really going all out. So I would say, and I kind of attribute that to, um, or relate that to the professional world saying, what we've seen is a change of people saying, well, I've done the bare minimum. You should reward me for that. And uh, I went to college. When can I be the vice president of something or the supervisor or, or do whatever? And I grew up in an era of, how high do you want me to jump? And how many months or years do you want me to jump that high? Right. And then tell me if it's not working out and you can send me back to the fleet or kick me out. So I didn't think I was going to get any special treatment. I thought I was actually going to get ugly treatment. <laughs> and it just, so I was actually suitably impressed that instructors <laughs> were in it. The instructors weren't against us. They wanted to make sure that you were worthy mm-hmm. of going in the field with them. So they weren't against us. And, um, and when you realize that, that they're not against you, they're making sure that you're worthy of going into the field with them because you will. I've worked with some of my instructors. So what's, what's interesting is exactly what you're talking about is a form of limiting belief. And I have this quote that I, I learned years ago and I use it all the time. It is my number one live and die rule in life. And that is in the absence of information, people make stuff up. And so we don't know about something. We can't be comfortable with that ambiguity. We can't as human beings. It's just impossible, right? Have you ever heard a woman in her 20s and 30s date? It's the same thing. It's like, yeah. oh my God, he didn't call. He's on the side of the road dying somewhere. It's like, well, maybe he got my number wrong. And it's just, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, and I am, I, I'm guilty of all that too. So I'm not going to so sit there. It is. I have, 
<laughs> I have said this in the in the old days. It appears that we've had a conversation that I wasn't part of. Could you invite me next time? So I I, I just I just like to be there because if I'm going to be this much of a jerk to you, I'd like to participate fully. You know, if I because that's what's happened in your head. So I I that love so that funny. limiting beliefs, and I love what you just said. We make it up. That's just yeah, chemistry. We do, and we just we can't yeah. get comfortable with not knowing. And yeah. so, and that's with everything that's from the little things to the big things in life. And then, then we get into this funk, uh, you know, like, and, and you and I've talked about this and, and these folks have heard me say this time and time again, and I'm going to do it one more time. And, yeah, please, stop for my saying benefit, this. Especially. and that is that, you know, we, we leave the house after taking, this is a very feminine driven industry. Uh, so we leave the house after taking care of everybody else's stuff that's in the home, if they're married or if they just have one child or two and no spouse, whatever. That's the role. Then they show up at work and then they spend all day taking care of everybody else's stuff. And then they go home and yet to only go and take care of everybody right. else's stuff. Right. So what happens is that our perception of the world starts to do this flip and we start the limiting self-belief kicks in for HR professionals. And you have this wonder. I love that. I cannot wait till they hear this, what you're about ready to tell everybody. Um, about hostages. I love this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's coming, you know, I'm going there. I do. Absolutely. And, um, right. But what happens is that we even start building a limiting self-belief on whether or not we're qualified to do certain things that we have enough background, have enough experience, what our coworkers think of us, what our bosses start thinking of us, because if we don't hear something, we get into that being uncomfortable with the ambiguity all over again. Right. Right. It's so true. And not only that, it's you're in good company. Every brain does this. And here's where it's tough. Like you said, and, and I love that. I love that you so openly uh, brought up a, a bit of a gender bias, a gender skew. I'm going to say there's a gender skew there because uh, the world seems to be afraid of that. And we really, I think we really want to embrace the fact that there are a gender skew and it, and, but every brain does this. It's just chemistry. Mm -hmm. It's just chemistry. So if we talk about, I'll just, in like two minutes, we'll talk about a thing. You're, when you get into fight, flight, or freeze, that's your limbic system. Whenever we get stressed, when you're on the freeway, a car, you think a car cuts you off and you're like, Argh! when you're going to be late, when the kids come out and they got some complete, like a box of crayons threw up to make their outfit that morning. And you're like, you know, and like when you're they the dad, you're, baby like, bird in their book bag. you're like, you're like, whatever, go to, go to, go to school looking like you're a five-year-old drunk kid. I don't care. But, but, you know, most moms are like, have to get to a certain point. And again, I'm having fun with the gender. There is no gender bias there. It's a, it's no. a fun thing. Your limbic system is going into fight, flight, or freeze. And Brenda, everything you just described, one of the first things that happens when you go into fight, flight, or freeze is we get tense. Mm -hmm. And then we start to minimize, see the brain chemistry of going into being anxious being frustrated, feeling out of control, right? I do a class on the pathway of negative emotions, which is a creation by one of the professors at Santa Monica College some years ago, control, fear, anger, depression. Meaning I have to feel out of control before I can feel angry, right? That's the process. I have to feel out of control. Uh, you might phrase it as I should be in control, I'm not, whatever. There's a feeling of being out of control. Not like a, people say you have control issues. It's not that. It's I felt out of control. That naturally makes us afraid. See, we don't have to have the thought of being afraid either. If someone tries to cut you off on the road, you biologically respond with a fear response. It makes you focus in and you get your tunnel vision down and your hands get stiff. Yes. 
we swerve the car out of the way, right? That's fight, flight, or freeze. That was yep. biological. We can do it with our thoughts too, or we can put them together. It's a chicken and the egg. They exist for each other. And what you described is so amazing. When we get to fight, flight, or freeze, first thing that happens is we lose the ability to activate the chemistry of empathy, the chemistry of self-respect, <clears throat> the chemistry of self-esteem, the chemistry of achievement. This is measurable chemistry. I didn't make it up. There's neuroscientists all over the place, therapists. I use Maslow's hierarchy of needs all the time. Guy made this in what? He was born in 1908, started doing all this research and you know, he's been 20 years old. So 1940s, it's all there in chemistry. So what happens for this HR department, you know, when it turns into, as you said, starts out as human resources, which is kind of like old term. No one even gets that anymore. It sounds like the library and like the Dewey Decimal System, human resources. <laughs> I said it turned into human relations, but now HR is usually hostage rescue. And it's turned into like human resources to human relations and it's straight up hostage rescue now. And half the time you're the hostage. Yeah. Because you're hostage to that, that, that brain chemistry. And it's not even beliefs. See, we talk about limiting beliefs like we should be able to snap our fingers and go, whoop, change my belief. When you get in that brain chemistry, your body is asking, your brain is answering one question. Am I safe? Yep. Am I safe? And you know what you pointed out? Brenda, you pointed out that when you start questioning everything and you start finding a reason, because if you sit in, am I safe too long, it becomes, first of all, it goes to productive paranoia, as Gavin De Becker says, when he talks about child sexual safety, child safety and whatnot, productive paranoia, I love his term for that. But then it goes to, why am I not safe? Right. And your brain is answering the question constantly, why am I not safe? And then you start looking for reasons. Yeah. And if you can't, and you'll turn them in on yourself and you'll say, that's yeah. because I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not tall enough, short enough, brown eyed, blue eyed. I don't care. It doesn't matter. This is chemistry, just chemistry. There's nothing wrong with you. This is what a regular brain that's responding appropriately does mm -hmm. under this much duress. Yep. See, I work with all these people and people say, you're so positive and you have so much energy. I go home alone at night. I have two dogs. I'm regenerating all night. I'm not going home and bring them the bacon fried up in a pan like the old commercial says. I'm not doing any of that. I'm regenerating so I can go to war again the next day. Yep. So it's just chemistry. And I want the folks to hear this again. When you're stressed, and when I say stressed, when you're anxious, frustrated, scared, fed up, whatever terms you want to use is the same chemistry. When you're anxious or stressed, by the time you get angry, or depressed or apathetic or mentally exhausted. Because when I say depressed, I just mean your chemistry is depressed. You cannot effectively activate the part of your brain that has respect of yourself or others. Yep. You cannot get attached to your self-esteem, right? Uh, you cannot get attached to your empathy. You can't activate the part of your brain that understands empathy. So you can't even feel for yourself. No, you can't. Think you suck. You can't, and you and, gonna, and this yeah. and this kicks in. It's like if, and you and I'm sure I'm sure you experienced because I know I have, and I'm and there's a lot of people out there. But it's like all of a sudden you just you get to this place and you 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 just sit on this ditch, <laughs> and in to the, the point, it's kind of like when you've made a mistake and and you get a lot of criticism for it, then you develop this fear 
to where if you make a mistake that people are going to, so you try hard not to make the mistake and you keep screwing it up anyway, because you can't be effective in a place that doesn't work. And, and that's it's exactly an, what fear does. Yeah. And it's not the amazing part, Brenda, the amazing part, every time I listen to you talk, I think I can spell out the chemistry of what you're describing so that it's testable. It's not what Brenda thinks. It's correct. It's not Brenda made it up. It's not John made it up. It's not, it's correct. It's measurable. And here's the thing. I, I work with a lot of cops, right? And they talk about the sex trafficking thing or domestic violence. And they'll say, why won't they leave? And I'll pull out my little chemistry thing, my little Maslow's with his little Maslow cartoon and does his thing. And I'll say, let me show you why. It's not that they won't, they can't. They can't leave. And you just spelled it out from an HR, from a corporate standpoint, which folks, it's the same thing. Yeah. Domestic violence, HR issues, falling down at work, thinking you can't do it right. And you do something Brenda just said, you think you can work harder. When your brain is in that chemical state, harder means more. Yep. Harder means more. It doesn't mean better. It doesn't mean more creatively. It doesn't mean more effectively. It means more. And you can't work more, right? I, we can't even get a vote to work out anywhere. We're certainly not voting in three more hours of the day for you. You know, we, we can't get that to work out. We, we wouldn't be able to count the vote. We used to have chads. Now we have electronic. We don't even know whatever. I, those the, I'm going back to the McDonald's Monopoly game as the only <laughs> fair way of having a contest. That's what I'm going to do. So, and even that. And even that. Did you ever see the Oh, it turns out, what am I saying? I just picked the contest that's already been proven to be rigged. What it I see, was this rigged. Is why. Totally this is why. Rigged. Exactly. Yeah. This is why. So anyway. that's what I, what I loved about coming on here today is everybody's beating themselves up mm -hmm. for having perfect brain chemistry and you're in charge of it. The world is happening to you and you're happening to the world, but you're in charge of directing this. And, but the problem is that you had to know it was happening yeah. because when it's very, it's very logical to go, I just suck at this. I used to think I was good. I used to be good, maybe I was, but now I'm just horrible at it. I'm just horrible at it. That's so natural when you've been living in fight, fright, or fleas. Remember that part of your brain is the oldest part. It's back, I often call it the hind brain, but it's not, it's like mid-level. It's so close to your spinal column. It's also faster. The chemistry of delivering a negative message to you is very, very fast and very powerful. Here's yeah. the fun part, positive chemistry, Take a guess at how long positive chemistry lasts in its little burst, like dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, little hugging there goes on. I don't Just, know how long it would last, but it would, I would imagine it would last longer than a negative effect. Yeah, and I love your positive approach, but it's the, it's the opposite in this case. So I'm gonna tell Is you- Is it really? Yeah, you can roughly count on two to five seconds of a positive response before you're on a do-over However, here's the thing. It's like a rep in the gym. It's like doing a rep in the gym. When you did it really well and you really focused on that rep, you're like saying hello to that person and shaking hands or giving them a hug. And you really said, I'm right here right now. I'm gonna let go of my, I'm gonna let go of any, anything else I'm thinking. And I'm just gonna say hello. I'm just gonna answer this phone. I'm gonna stop texting or stop doing whatever. You're actually training yourself in those little tiny reps, that's a little tiny, perfect bicep curl, perfect bench press. You're training yourself to not get sucked so easily to the negative. Three to five seconds. Some yeah. people would say two to five seconds, but anyway, it's close enough, right? Anyway, a really short time. So when you get up and you go to say hello to someone, you have that little moment of saying hello, you get this little 
three to five second burst of positive chemistry. That's training, that's like a rep, it's like a rep. That's why positivity is so hard. And why would it be this way? So what do you think negative is? Let's say, let's say I go to work and someone sends me this ugly email, like who, who's, who's listening to you right now that hasn't gotten one of those? One of those ugly emails, it doesn't even have to do with you. It just oh, might be a problem. Yeah, it's, it's a problem. It's going to fall in your lap, right? Yeah. How long, even if you don't dwell on it, take a guess at how long that's going to last. About five days. <laughs> well, I get it. Yeah, because you dwell. You're a dweller, right? Yeah, is it right. Exactly. But see, you bring up a great point. It's going to be roughly 90 minutes to two hours, depending on the yeah. severity, a little bit of background and things. So get this. You have to repeat positive actions on three to five second bursts over and over and over to train your brain, just like a bench press. Again, I can't go in and do one rep of bench and go, oh yeah, Olympics, here I come. Olympic powerlifting, <laughs> I'm ready to go, right? I had to have all this training. I can get hit by a car one time and know not to, to know to be careful crossing the street again. Yeah, That's sensible, isn't it? Because when you're something's really unsafe, when it's terrifying you, your brain says, I gotta make this last because fear usually doesn't come in one second bursts but it does in today's world. Fear comes in an email. Fear comes in a text. Fear comes in the fact that you just know you're not gonna make it the kids to school on time. You know you're not gonna get that email. You know you're now gonna be late for the meeting. That's fear. Yeah. That's out of control, control, fear, ang uh, anger or depression, whatever you get to. Some people might be frustrated or whatever. And I realize this can sound confusing at first. It might not for some people, but it's so basic. And as you know, I'm always offering every Saturday or once a week, I offer free, free courses on Zoom on this stuff because the more you realize it, the more you start creating bicep curls in your day. And yep. pretty soon you're never you're never going to not have this system. Imagine if we got rid of our fight, flight, or freeze system. We'd all probably be dead in a week. We'd be like extra stupid. I, boys, we don't, boys would be dead. Teenage boys would be dead in like 12 hours. They wouldn't even make it. Without fight, flight, or freeze for them, they'd be absolutely gone. There wouldn't be a teenage boy left on the planet in like a week. So, um, so we think about that. It's just brain chemistry. So the first thing to realize is you think this is you not being good enough, but it's you not being able to do the exercises to get back into the part of your brain that accomplishes all the good stuff. You ever hear people talk about a relationship, Brendan? They say, I gave my power away. We didn't. Yeah. We didn't. Oh, we just I, switched, I go there. We switched the part of our brain. Yeah. We switched, we got in an environment and we thought, oh my gosh, I'm taking this beating. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Fight, flight, or freeze. You're still there. And so someone gets a little break, they have a separation, they do some work, they get a therapist, they do whatever, whatever they need to do. And all of a sudden they say, because that person that we put it on to, they didn't give us back to us. We simply realized the most amazing room in our house, we stopped walking into. We just stopped walking into that room. Now it might've been because it was dangerous. It might've been protecting ourselves in that relationship, right? For a lot of ways. And I'm not saying it wasn't necessary, but we didn't get our power back. We simply unlocked the door to that room and started practicing the steps to get back into the favorite room in our house again. So I want, I want to ask you something. Have you ever heard of something called Landmark Education? And the I have. I have okay. back in, I'm old. I'm old. I'm 54, right? So I've been around for a while. I, I remember S. 
S and M. And uh, okay. so, yeah, I'm old. Got it. So I did the form. I didn't go to either one, by the way. So I'll do a disclaimer. <laughs> I haven't been either one, but I have enough friends you have that I'm familiar with the co- with the conversation. Got it. So I attended the forum. And one of the things that I attended the forum back, I was 22. So it was in the early, early 90s. Three years ago. So it was oh, like three stop years it. ago. Anyway, that's how <laughs> far just, behind it, you. It's just so wide open. It was a door I had to walk through. Sorry. <laughs> you did. You did a good job. Thank you very anyway, much. Anyway, you're welcome. Tip your waitress. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So one of the things that they talk about in the forum is what's the cost and benefits, right? And of course, that's different than the cost and benefits that we play in in our world. But there is a benefit to having a certain mindset and there's a cost to having the certain mindset, right? Now, what you're talking about is some people who don't have the ability to get out or we start going into this place where the limiting self-belief comes up. The question is, what is the cost to you for staying there? Mm. And what's the benefit? And sometimes, and we, and we, you mentioned earlier when we were talking, it's just like, why don't they leave? Why don't they leave an abusive relationship? Or why don't people just get out? Or a corporation, corporation, when, benefit, your boss, when you're never going to get out from under the le- Leviathan, you know, you're just, right. you're getting hammered every day. The cost is obviously, you know, it's beating the tar out of you, but the benefit is that the reason why you don't get out is because the benefit is that you know what to expect, you know, certain levels of comfort, you know, you don't have to try harder, you know, you don't have to put forth effort, you know, nothing's going to change and change is scary. So that's all those things are negative, but those are actually benefits. And that's what a lot of people do. They hang in these areas of life to where the benefit is comfortable, even though it's beating the absolute crap out of you at the same time. You're so true, so wise. Again, you just laid out, like you always do, every week you do this, every week you lay out perfect chemistry. And what happens is a lot of times we lay out a conversation like, I'm supposed to be able to just snap out of this. No, that would be crazy. If a brain could get you out of a seriously dangerous situation that you're, unless you're going to get run over by the bus, right? Then we're designed to kind of, uh, to kind of accommodate that and, and adjust. If your brain would walk away that easily, remember when you're in that space, when you're in a workplace where you feel like you're getting hammered constantly, it is appropriate brain chemistry response. I don't want to say it's normal. I try to, I still use the term, but I try to stay away from normal because it means there's an abnormal and it's just kind of a sliding scale all over. It's not really normal or abnormal. There's a bell curve, if you will. So there's more common and less common. Um, So when you're in that place, your brain can't remember, you can't access the part of your brain that has creativity, spontaneity, problem solving, self-respect, self-esteem and a feeling of achievement. You see the list I just gave you? Those are all the things it would take to say, I know it's scary, but I'm going to leave. Brains are smart. They would sooner stay hyped up. They would sooner stay pretty pumped up in a challenging environment than keep going for new. And this is sensible in an evolutionary sense. In an evolutionary sense, Mm -hmm. if this is bad, as we say, the enemy that you know, I don't even know what's out there. <laughs> you want me to leave everything. But so now we'll look at it from a different view, right? Here's a positive side. Look at the couple who's been married for 50 or 60 years. They've been together for 50 or 60 years. One of them passes away. Within six months, the other one dies. They are biologically responding to everything about that person. Every cell in their body has spent 60 years responding to that person. 
it is an almost impossible, overwhelming adjustment for this person to view life without it being fight, flight, or freeze. Worst part, depression, control, fear, anger, depression. Their chemistry is depressed. Yeah. Every view they had on life is now different. Oh, but look, I just described what happens when someone's trying to leave an abusive workplace or relationship. Even if you're just out of your depth, let's not talk about people abusing you, but if you're just out of your depth yeah. and you think, well, I got to learn some more stuff. So we go and learn it. But when you're in fight, flight, or freeze, we're resisting learning. We're resisting. We can't activate the chemistry of learning. We can't activate the chemistry that, because that's all up in our frontal lobe. In our head, that's a long way away from our limbic system. It's like light years. In the safety world of our brain chemistry, that's light years away. Yeah. So we, we kind of bounce around a lot of things. But remember, we just tied in domestic <clears throat> violence, work, workplace challenges, leadership challenges, culture creation. It's the same brain chemistry on a sliding scale, up 80%, down 12%, down 50%. And Brenda, you just described the pathway. You can't, and once you know this, so you don't have to know it, know it. You don't have to know it like two plus two is four. Now that you've heard this, the next time you're bummed out, you can start thinking, you know, I don't totally understand this, but this is what's supposed to be happening. And now I can start looking at the little tiny things to train my way out of this happening. Yeah. That happens. I just don't want to make it worse. Do you remember, um, was, again, I'm showing my age here. Um, yeah. It was a radio show I called- I got you guys in years. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not far behind you. <laughs> we, I hope you catch up. Uh-uh. No, we were, we were in the same range. I could touch, I could reach out and touch you in high school. That's that's about their age range. Anyway. And it wouldn't be illegal. Oh, stop it. Anyway. In, those, in those days, people would <laughs> high five you for it. If they high five that I forget. Oh no, they did. I forget. But I, 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 go ahead. Anyway, there was a Enough show called the, the Dr. Laura Schlesinger show. Do oh, you, absolutely. Dr. Laura. Do you does? remember her best? I loved her phrase. It was this favorite phrase that I loved. And it was, you behaved your way into a situation and now you have to behave your way out of it. <laughs> oh, remember that? Well, I don't because oh. I didn't watch a lot of Dr. Laura, but I knew who she was because she was best. popular. Yeah. Best phrase yeah. ever. And I started, when I started, um, you know, really taking on the, the cost and the benefit conversation in my own life. And it took, it was a long road to hoe, but um, that was something that I always, always held with. But everything that we've just described, like this process, and we've, we've chunked it down and we've broken it down into, into digestible chunks. These are all the, th this is all the stuff that HR people of a unit of one go through HR people in a department of one. Because there's oh, so much going on. It is, it's hard. And it's, it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but there are things that we can do to help pull ourselves out. And part of the reason why John is here is not only to, you know, honor our veterans and talk about, but, you know, these are the things that when you think about it and somebody goes out into the field or they go down range and all of a sudden, you know, it's game on. You can't, you can't collapse under these limiting self-beliefs. But we have a certain level of comfort here in the U.S. where we're safe because thanks to you guys, you're on the line. We can collapse under those limiting self-beliefs. And we do every single day. Well, and there's a lack of training, right? Let's yeah. think about it. Let's take, yeah, a, let's take HR for a moment. HR is not a job you can say these six things are going to happen. Train like the HR ninja. <laughs> 
Well, we'd like to, but then the phone rings. Well, you do, and you you do the best you do. Not that I don't want to say the best you can, because we're never doing the best we can, right? There's always more to learn. There's there's better teams to build. There's more to learn as a team. So we're never doing the best we can. I actually, well, whenever people say I'm doing the best I can, that usually means they've quit already. Yeah. So, um, but not always. It's just that I I avoid. I try to be careful of my wording because your words are your brain chemistry, right? Yeah. It's what we call the O line, the line of observation line of observation. If I turn around and say, you know, what I said to someone yesterday, their company's having a challenging time, a lot of transition. They're trying to grow. They're trying to get out of debt. That's a lot of things going on at once. Right. And in my mind, I'm on the outside looking in. So it's easy for me to say, wow, what amazing opportunities I have everywhere. I can take a step in any direction and find a good place to spend my time. What that means for them, my empathy tells me what that means for them is every direction hurts. Yeah. Because for me, I can go to war anywhere. You know, I can go work with the police department on the campus or, or do something. And it's all going to elevate the entire chain of command, you know, the entire structure. Forgive my military terminology. I really love it. So, um, <laughs> but you think about what's happening even overseas. So let's not be fooled. For those veterans out there listening, even overseas, you can be in an admin position. People often say, how can someone have post-traumatic stress when they didn't fight that much or they're in an admin position? Because in the same way of saying, how can someone in HR be a wreck? Because the war is just the information, the negative information, the juggling you're doing, the multiple personalities you're bouncing, plus your own. If you have a family, plus your family. If you don't have a family, plus your lack of family. Right, it's all real. It's all real. That's why I don't use statistics because it leaves out the people that aren't listed in that statistic. And we're talking about all of us, talking about we, you know, in a very kind of team and spiritual focus. We're talking about the we of us, not the I of us or the you of us. So, um, so you think about that. It's all happening all the time. So the same things that a Navy SEAL has to use, the same tricks and tactics and tools to get back on what we call the right board. The left board is the negative chemistry. The right board is your creativity, all the good stuff that Maslow talked about, you know, that uh, David Clark talks about and look him up folks. If you want to watch something really interesting on how your brain works, Google David Clark. And uh, he's a neuroscientist who's done a ton of research, talks even faster than I do, but a ton of research. So uh, smarter than I'll ever be. Uh, So look it up, but it's all, first of all, recognizing when you want to go to self-limiting and you say, oh, I'm so horrible at this. Now I might be in a place where I'm having a hard time activating my greatness, but I'm in charge. You're in charge. You are in charge. And I don't mean you can change it just like this. It's not one of those think positively and all of a sudden the sun comes out. It's a battle. Yeah. Every day. You didn't get get beaten down into that place overnight. So we're not going to snap our fingers, do some deep breathing have a little kumbaya and get back into it. It takes courage to get creative again, right? My sister was in a class I was facilitating a couple of weeks ago. She'd been a body worker, Reiki master. Do they call it a Reiki mistress? If you're a female, not a Reiki master. That's still a Reiki master. Who knows? Anyway, she's, she's really experienced and she has all this experience. And we were talking about, you ever hear people tell, say that other people are very toxic? Oh, yeah. Right. And I brought up in the class, I said, they're not toxic. You are. You're in charge. That person's been that way, maybe their whole life, maybe not. I don't know. But you're the one sick to your stomach. Yeah. You're the one losing your creativity and self-respect and problem solving. They're not toxic. 
you are. And as soon as you get to know, you know what, you're right. I've been in those situations before with employers and things where I was like, man, I really want to keep on the mission, but I'm a wreck. I'm waiting for the next ugly email. I'm waiting for the next creativity and problem solving, diminishing comment because my brain's like yours. I might be training it to be a little stronger in the gym, but I still have the same brain you do. We're just at different strength levels. You might be higher than me in one area or the other. It's just a matter of reps. And I literally would watch, I am, my work is very, very creative. I fix things, I solve problems and I get, and I help people work together and with me. So if I'm on the left board in fight, flight or freeze, I can feel it because as I say, I get stupider and stupider. It's just the way it goes. It's like, you can feel it. So when you start feeling your creativity come down, you got to know they're not toxic. You are. Yeah. And if you know you're toxic, you can start working your plan. Absolutely. You out of there. There's, yeah, there's something that happens and I, I've, I've seen it my entire career and I was, I certainly did it in the very beginning and I don't do it so much. I don't, not so much. I, I really don't do it now, but you know, when you, it's, the thing is, is that we deal with, you know, all of this HR subject matter, right? We're dealing with compliance. We're having to keep up with our information. And, you know, if anybody who is out there being a leadership coach or a subject matter expert will fall into this trap at some point in time. And that is, is that we go from being very empathetic for people who don't understand the content that we're talking about and that we're working with to our vision starts to narrow. So, and the people have heard me say this too, is that, and, and you mentioned it when we're in crisis, you know, our vision starts to go down and, and we have to remember to open up our aperture, right? Yeah. Same thing with this is that when we talk about the same subject matter over and 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 over, and over again, that our, our vision starts to narrow. And then we get to a point, it's like, why the hell do we keep talking about this? And we yes. forget that the person who's on the other side of that conversation isn't as versed. And so what happens is that, you know, you could be dealing with an employee situation. Like I've been, you know, people know that I still have clients and I've been dealing with a, a benefit situation right now. And, you know, it's very, you know, we go through all this this exercise of, you know, researching the information, make sure that right, because we're trying to mitigate risk and, you know, we're, we're doing, we're trying to do what's in the best interest of the employee. And sometimes that comes with the cost of exerting a lot of energy, a lot of time, but it's also worth it because when we have the answer, we've probably set the correct precedence for moving forward. We've probably protected not only ourselves, but the manager we've, you know, even though we've ruffled some feathers because we just didn't have the information, but, you know, we've done the right thing. And then at the end, right when you give the person the option to do whatever it is that you're trying to do after you did all that homework, and they say, no, I'm going to go with this instead. And then out of nowhere, it's either in your head or somebody else's voice or something like that. And they come out and say, well, that was just a real waste of time. Why the hell didn't we, you know, why did we have to go through that? And because this wouldn't it have been nice if they just made it? right now, all of a sudden it's a complaint because it's like, somehow it's like they're off gassing or something like that. Yeah. It's a natural response, but you know what? It, it, it won't break you free of saying, fabulous, what's next? Let's done and put it behind you. 
and it allows people to live and you hear it all the time and they do it without realizing it. And they do it without understanding where it puts themselves. Every HR person can relate to this. And I promise you there's a chunk of HR people that still bitch about people and their employees when they get done solving a problem. And you guys have to stop doing that because it keeps you shackled in a limiting self-belief. It, it sure does. It puts you in the negative chemistry. You know, I Absolutely. refer to it. I refer to a video of someone you know very well, Jocko Willink, mm -hmm. a person I'm a SEAL team guy I've never met, but I love his I love his stuff. I like to support, promote him a lot. He's just a great speaker. He does a little short two-minute and like 12-second video titled Good. Yeah. Good. And one of the things Jocko says is his I again I never worked with him, haven't met him in person. And but I I refer to his videos a lot for folks because he has a very clear-cut way. He doesn't go into the chemistry, but what he's actually saying is. Good, because here's what happens. You described a perfect scenario that HR people and everyone else who cares about people and has gone after going the extra mile and helping them has experienced. When you get to the point where you think this was a waste of time, that is, I am out of control, control, yes. fear, anger. And so, and then you might also get to the point of depressed. Oh my gosh, why do I even bother doing this? You know, what's it stopping you from doing? When, remember, when you're on that side of the board, when we are making a comment below the line of observation, that was such a waste of time. What it stops us from doing is analyzing and problem solving and creating how we should do it differently. See, I can't do both. I can't say, you suck, how can I help you? I can only say, wow, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm really satisfied with the level of work I did for this outcome. Is there something I can do? And here's the important part. If you weren't bummed out, and if you are, take a moment, remember the timeline, take a moment and say, I'm gonna let myself ride through this next 90 minutes. And then I'm gonna get back to the right board, my creativity, yep. problem solving, my spontaneity. Because what's the question? When I listen to you, the question that comes up for me is, if I keep doing this, I'm the one who's not correct. And I don't mean you're yes. wrong. I don't mean you're wrong you're less efficient than you wanna be because as my psychiatrist friend says, we only have so many psychic units in a day. We have plenty of hours, yep. but we only have so many psychic units. David Rock says, you only have about four hours of higher level thinking a day. Use it wisely. And if Use you don't, you cheat yourself out of everything. And yes. And a while ago, and, I, and this happens every now and again, you know, we're, you know, I'm rounding up to about a hundred episodes. And every now and again, I'll get somebody laden with the best of intentions, and I firmly believe that, who wants to give me some form of feedback, but they don't either agree with something that I've said as go. a point. As I love point. when people ask me, they, do you want some feedback? I always say, no, no one in their right mind would say, <laughs> you're open to something. anyone and anyone who asks you, are you open to some feedback? The only answer is yes, if you're open to a backhand. That's because right. that's what it is. Because if I have something constructive to say to you, I say, hey, Brenda, you know what might be cool on your show? You might not like it, but you know what might be cool on your show? And I just say it. Yeah. If I'm not being negative, I don't have to prep her for a smack in the face. That's right. And so I always say whenever somebody, and then they'll say, well, is there a time you would be open? Yes, about six hours after I'm dead. <laughs> because nobody who has to lead into a comment has got anything right board to say they are not being creative they are not problem solving because if they were they'd say dude i don't know if you like this or not but what would be cool is if you do this and you this do is and this is exactly <laughs> the point i want to and this is perfect this is the point i want to make 
And it's funny because I know a team guy and everybody who's worked with him has said, you know, he's, he's awesome. And he absolutely has your back. And you know, when he does, because he'll look at you and say, are you sure you really want to do that? And everybody's like, okay, sir, what do we have to do? You know, it's like, I don't want to blow up or anything, you know? So anyway, but where I'm going with this is that every now and again, I'll get a, I'll get a comment <clears throat> or I'll get somebody who challenges what I'm saying. And I'm good with that. But what, if somebody's coming out and saying like, I don't like how you said this because, you know, and it just like totally changes. And, it, and it's like, all of a sudden it's like, where did that come? I addressed this in an episode a long time ago. I got an email from somebody who I get what she was saying. And it was talking about how um, employees who are chronically late and have chronic attendance issues, you, you got to deal with them. And one way you deal with them is that you, you have them have, have them fix the problem because it's their problem to fix or, you know, you, you performance manage them out the door, you know, and it's, a, it's not always an easy issue, especially if it's a high performer. And she got very upset. And she's like, because, you know, we have all these things and we have all these issues and we have all this and we have all these things that we have to deal with. And I came back and I said, I appreciate what you're saying. And I said, but understand that this show is not about helping employees figure stuff out. It's helping employers figure stuff out. And what I realized in the moment that she, when I read that, Plus I got some feedback the other day about how I say something and it's just how I say it. it's my vernacular, but my immediate thought That's is how I talk, get off of right. me. <laughs> it's my immediate thought. And I, and I get where she's coming from and, and I appreciate the fact that she says it, but here's my thought. And this is how I'm going to address the, the second piece of that too, is that if that's the thing that you're honing in on in a show like this, you are taking away the wrong piece of information. I, well, you're I love what you're saying. Yet. Again, uh, you brought up two things that really call to me. First of all, one of the first, if I do a class series on leadership, biomechanics, navigating, it doesn't matter, anxiety, violence prevention, everything. You know, the first thing I always bring up is what's the number one thing that steals from your productivity that you create? And it's not being 15 minutes early work not being if you I know everything and I know some people if you're hearing me out there I hope you actually come sit like I said my class series are always free for the general public there because it's important to me that people know who they are I am a firm believer that everyone I've ever met can be in the top 10 percent somewhere if they understood themselves and and then when they understand themselves see it's a step-by-step -step process First, you have to understand the chemistry. You have to understand when I judged myself, that was actually appropriate brain chemistry for where I was at. Not effective for creativity, problem solving, whatever, but very appropriate for where I was at. Nothing wrong with it. Again, you're gonna hear me say right and wrong is in negative chemistry. If you wanna know what's absolutely correct, wait 15 minutes and someone, like I use an expression in class once because I'm typically now in this country and there's always a lot of females in the class and I always say, do you think it's right that you're driving a car and in this room working? Well, two thirds of the world disagree with you, but I'm on your team in it. So it's not about right and wrong. It's about what we're promoting. Yeah. And what we're promoting is all this opportunity. And you go, but about two thirds of the world would say, no, you guys are totally wrong. You married, you stupid Americans. You're like completely wrong about your thinking. I don't care about that because right and wrong is not my issue. It's whether I think we're promoting the most positive, multiple opportunity outcomes that we can get. And right and wrong is usually decided for people who are living in negative chemistry. Yeah, so absolutely. we know that one of the things that happens with negative chemistry is your prejudice increases. Yes, Remember, it does. <laughs> your brain is designed to be biased when threatened. And there goes That's your judgment. Why, 
Yes, yes, your, your, your lack of prejudice is one of the first things to go. And here's how we have fun with this. Have you ever had a friend getting divorced? Oh my gosh, men are all this way. Women are all this way. Stupid attorneys, those divorce court judges, every single one of them in the whole world, including French people and Italian people and Polish people, whatever. It's all the same, like the, right? It's like the IRS, everybody at the IRS is- oh. The baby's out with the bathwater because <laughs> when you're in negative chemistry and when you're that upset, our bias and prejudice increases to make our point. And the weird thing is at that moment, we feel right. And we do it positively. Oh, you know where the best pizza is? There's this place in the middle of nowhere. They have the best pizza in the country. We do that bias with positive enthusiasm too. We just don't care. We let the best pizza in the world come and go. We go, no the best pizzas in Brooklyn, right? We hear that all the time. All those things train your brain when it's positive. In other words, when you're saying the best pizza in the world, change it to a true statement. You know, the best pizza I can ever remember having was in this little freaking place up in Napa, blah, 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 and we do our thing. Your brain is training to not lose its way when your chemistry is high. Yeah. Right. So the next time you're in divorce court and you want to say, oh, my gosh, guys are brown eyed people are this way or blue eyed people are that way. For those of you who are old enough to remember that there's a brown eyed, blue eyed, look it up, Google it. It's a little torture experiment they did to a class full of little kids back in the 70s on uh, they're trying to demonstrate how fast you can increase people's racism. Um, and their abuse comes up with it, because remember, prejudice brings up hostility. Right. And hostility increases violence. It's all connected. So every day you go to your HR jobs and you handle this well. And when something happens, you say, good. How do I do that more effectively next time? How do I be more creative next time? You have minimized your bias. You have activated your higher level function. You are less likely to be as terrified the next time something new happens. It's just chemistry and your chemistry is appropriate. It's appropriate for the experience. It's appropriate for your level of training. We're asking HR departments, right? Hostage rescue departments. We're asking the hostage rescue department to handle anything that comes their way. And guess what? Then we hire people to actually bring issues in. We hire people to like make everything about whatever the latest political issue is and we stick them in HR. So now we've like planted landmines among us. And then the landmines are solving problems. So like I'm fixing a boat motor and blowing things up all at the same time. That's what happens when we're in control, fear, anger. So work it. If you're one of, let's say you're one, like all of us, we all have brain chemistry, right? We all have brain chemistry that says, boy, in this area, I'm a little out of control. Right away, you know, be careful what you say. Your prejudice is going to come up. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter brown eyed people blue eyed people I don't care tall people short people doesn't matter to me what it is it's all the same all the same to me I'm looking for super high standards and training amazing opportunity for all the people and great training prep- preparatory training for people to get there in all communities notice I didn't single out one no nope. single out one it's why it's why my programs tend to have this incredible level of diversity because I haven't created a divide I haven't even I haven't even allowed it, you know, because I want these high standards. Anyway, that's another thing because that's people's personal thing. If you feel yourself getting hot over topics at work, it is your responsibility to work on that. 
Because if I have a super hot talk and say, oh, those Republicans, those Democrats, those Libertarians, those Venusians, those Martians, all of those people, whatever I go into work hot about, let's forget unconscious bias. That's super conscious. (laughs) So you got to work through that. Minimize your news. The fact is I got a bunch of people who need to succeed. And I'm responsible for making sure that I'm not the hostage rescue team. I'm the group, I'm the human development team, I'm the human development team. And the only way I get to be human development team is to make sure that I'm staying above the O-line. And you know what, folks, I'm, I'm, I don't pass this test every single day. I pass it more and more yeah. in my days, but I don't pass it every single day because my brain is human. It's recognizing when you're minimized. If you drank a couple of shots and thought you were going to go into the business, the board meeting and handle it the same way, would you laugh at yourself? Some of you are like, no way, I'd be better. But the same thing happens when we start having negative chemistry. We start talking about race and religion and left and right and center and all these things. And we bring that out of control energy to work. We are minimized. We just drank a bunch of shots and thought we were going to go help people at work. Right? It's a hard burden. It takes courage to do what you're doing. And so many corporations think, what, Brenda, that you're non-revenue producing. You get to change that because when you live on the right board and when you're practicing and doing those bicep reps for all this stuff, you are human capital producing. And the reason for all of you, anyone who hasn't heard this, Maslow's hierarchy of needs wasn't made as a psychological tool. It was made to increase profit in corporations. Love it. And it makes sense. It absolutely yes. makes sense. I, you know, I give a, I have a presentation that I do that talks about, um, you know, building trust in the organization and in communicating with individuals, especially now that, you know, we're in this COVID environment and, you know, we're, everybody's for the Scared. most part used to now doing this work at home thing. And I mean, we've adjusted and let's, let's face it. We've figured it out. Right. But one of the things that I talk about is um, that when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, you look at the, the, if you look at the base of the pyramid and the very first level, ouch, is um, you can tell somebody has got to go outside. Um, The the first level of the pyramid. Talk about me? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, the dog. The dog. I was like, oh, I thought you were talking about me. I thought, man, how'd she know? No, not you, him. Anyway, um, the first level is, you know, basic fundamentals, food, air, water, shelter, clothing, something to eat. And that's, you you know, when people's (laughs) (laughs) don't make me edit this sex out of there, by the way, I'll clarify, don't make me edit this show, clarify that sex at the baseline of Maslow's hierarchy is not having sex. It's the ability to reproduce in the community you live in. There you go. That's what all of you twisted people out there. It's not sex. It's the ability to reproduce and have families in the That's community. Right. Get right. your heads out of the gutter. Come back to now. All right, Brenda, go ahead. This is what I deal with with John all the time. Anyway, um, but when we talk about it, it's like, you know, when somebody loses their job, that's where their mentality goes is, oh my God, how am I going to be able to provide for my basic needs? Then once they feel that, once they're capable of doing that, then it takes it to the next level to where they feel a sense of security and safety. They get another job or they know that the that their company that they're working for doesn't have to lay people off and their job is safe or they weren't laid off, right? Once they get to that second level, 
then they can get to the next level, which is that sense of belonging and their capability to connect, not their ability, but their capability to connect with people. Perfect distinction. They can't, when you're stressed and afraid for all these things, this is why I always tell people, read your news, don't watch it and don't read much of it because you cannot be unstressed, de-stressed. You cannot have no stress and watch the news. I don't care what news you watch. Again, I don't, I don't have a, I'm never driving someone to a party in, out one way or the other. I hope there's great people on both sides of every aisle that we ever have as a government. That's my hope for, for our world. So, um, but as soon as you're stressed, you cannot, Maslow thought you wouldn't, he would describe it as you don't want to go to the next level. And that's true from a therapist perspective. Brenda just cleared it up. You can't, you can't activate to a high degree the part of your brain that says, worry about my family, worry about my sexual intimacy and my relationships. And what's above that? Self-esteem is above that. So if we don't create good relationships and we don't cultivate that security. So, so Brenda, I love what you're saying because I love that you use Maslow's by the way. Well, I, I pulled this out one day and somebody said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, that's what I used to think. Right now it's like a roadmap to the galaxy as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> chemistry. But what do we do? And this is what I wanted to make sure to leave people with is we're often talking about how to recognize the issue, but what do we do? Go back to the first level, yep. food, water, air, sleep. Basics. When we talk about spending a couple of minutes a day and I mean two minutes, I don't mean get crazy. I don't mean pick up like a, NBA schedule level of things, sit and take deep breathing. Two minutes a day, put it in your calendar. Two minutes, shut up and breathe. You know, people always say, just breathe. Usually that's really patronizing and condescending when people say it, they're like, it's like saying, relax, you know, but- um, Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Oh, let it go, move on. We're not moving on, it's part of you now, it's part of us. Our history is part of us, all of these things. That's, I work with a lot of communities that have generational trauma and oppression. So uh, that's part of our history, our DNA is shifting anyway. I digress, but go back to the pyramid, minimize the input of your negative stuff. For those who are sitting around watching coronavirus news, the news hasn't changed. (laughs) All I know is there's less toilet paper on the shelves than there was. (laughs) And because I go to the store a lot when I, at times like this, by the way, I go to the store a lot because I want to see what's happening to the store. Gives me an idea of where people's heads are at and I'm trying to help people, right? So sleep, you mentioned it. Families. Folks with families, or for you young folks in school, when you get stressed, all of a sudden you play video games all night, or you pull it, or you procrastinate in your studies, so you no. stay up all late studying. You are stealing from your ability to do well directly. You are putting yourself into a toxic immune system lowering position. I'm so excited to do all this, Brenda, by the way, I always have been, but I, I didn't know you as well into this quarantine because then I got to listen to you more. You know, because before I never listened to her. I was like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we just didn't talk that much. It's not true. But uh, the quarantine kept me from driving around five hours a day. So I had five hours a day to do this stuff. So what do you do about it? You make sure, first of all, when it comes to food, solid protein sources, yeah. at least three times a day, meaning forget anything else. You don't have to read a special book. Make sure you're pulling in three fist size levels of protein a day. Make sure you're drinking a gallon of water a day. Now, there's going to be a person out there that says, I read you could you drink too much water. Stop it already. Smack yourself. Listen, move on. So a gallon of water a day, because that is a mood stabilizer. Mm-hmm. Remember, if we are excessively eating or excessively under eating, 
that's not an action. It is an action, but it's a reaction to our brain chemistry. It's a reaction. Yeah. Brenda talks about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I love it. Go back to the baseline. Food, air, water, sleep. Food, air, water, sleep. Three times a protein a day, one gallon of water a day. And then you move up to the security line. Most of us are not leaving the house terrified of what's going to happen in the neighborhood unless you watch that some people are. Some people live in tough neighborhoods. But most of us aren't leaving the house terrified, right? Right. But we are if we watch news. If you watch the news, the freaking sky is falling on you all the time, 24 hours a day. You're making yourself stupider, just like Thick. me. <laughs> making yourself <laughs> but it's minimizing your ability to go to work. I promise you that all those people at work, they need you to be yeah. your best self. I, I haven't watched news for months and months. And I did this as a test when I started doing these classes on virtual. And I said, let's see what happens to my stress level. Wow, my mental agility and, and, and able to come back and recover has improved so much. It's changed my, 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 desire to eat more sweets and junk food. It's everything. It's really everything. Yeah. It's really incredible because believe me, it's stressful. I'm not saying I'm without stress. I'm saying I'm not adding to it unnecessarily. Right. You need to be a warrior and warriors have to decide what is and isn't helping them right. be a samurai. You know? one, of the, one of the things, and that's why, and, and everybody on the show is listening. They, they know I'm, I know this, I talk about it every episode, oh, yeah, but so that's amazing. by the way, I'm so proud of you for doing this. And that's not a condescending thing. Oh, that's you. a partner thing. I'm so proud of you for bringing this to the world. Cause people are always talking about problems. They're not delivering a hammer and nails to build a freaking house that doesn't blow down the first time the wind blows. Yep. No, thank you very much. Yeah. No, and and the, I think the last point we'll make because somebody's got to go outside is, um, you know, that was the, that was the big thing that I do is that you know I I switched <clears throat> and I started focusing on my daily recovery, and because yes. I was neglecting it. And the more, I mean, yeah, you can drink all the water you want in your world. You can make sure that you eat properly, but you know what? If you're not recovering, if you're not allowing your body to rest and you're not allowed your mind, you're not allowing your mind to switch off. You get away from the blue light of your electronics. Yeah. It, you know, I, I use CBD now to, I, I take a CBD gummy. I take the, I do the naked warrior recovery. I do a CB gummy at the end of the day. Cause that gets me to slow down and stop thinking because I'm a thinker. And, uh, Wait, once, so hard to believe. imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I start, I start slowing down my day at about five o'clock through one CBD gummy. And then, you know, before I go to bed, I, you know, take a hot shower, I take a bath and then I pop another one and I have, I get about six to seven, sometimes eight hours of sleep a night. And that's unheard of. I'll tell you what else is amazing about what you just said. We talk about recovery and then uh, I know you have to go. I can see your dog there. dragging. <laughs> I can see your dog mauling you too. Uh, mine does that too is that here's the thing, every morning, protect your mornings mm -hmm. as much as you can. Now, for those of you, like I said, my son's 30, he's been out of the house a long time. You know, my dogs and I live alone, so I can protect my morning very easily. But even if I have to get up at 4 a.m. instead of five, what I do is I take a long shower in the morning, I make my bed immediately. This is your dopamine and kind of leaning towards your dopamine training system, your dopamine drive. I make my bed immediately. For those of you folks who say, I sweat at night or I do things or there's bed mites, people always send me articles about this stuff when I mention it, make your bed down, fold it down and organize it super nice. That is training you to access your drive system, yeah. which is 
calming you, just minimizing your procrastination. Then the other thing, before you pick up the phone, before you all do, do this stuff, do your automatic things, brush your teeth. If you can take a shower in the morning, do it. Here's what's happening. Brenda just talked about your recovery system at night. The other thing I'm gonna talk about, your intuition, your unconscious mind. It needs those automated behaviors and it starts to flow up. That's your creativity coming back. Yep. See, what's, what happens when we're in abusive environments, right? We never get calm. We never get peaceful in our head. So brushing your teeth brings a little bit of that vacation brain on. Getting in the shower. So I'll spend 20 minutes in the shower in the morning, even before I go to the gym, because I'm creating my day. Now, yeah. 7 billion people are going to move around the earth and screw it all up, but it's fluid. I'm creating my mission for the day, what I'm hoping to accomplish and then I'm just navigating 7 billion folks throughout my day to make that mission accomplished. And then I do what Brenda said. I have a cost benefit analysis running, right? This doesn't take effort. It takes a practice. It's not a perfect, it's a practice. Yep. So practice, find your time, especially in the morning, make that bed as Rear Admiral McRaven says in his six minute and one second thing, which I hope you all play, make your bed. It trains your brain during a peaceful moment to access its higher functions. So yep. when you're stressed, now you did a rep in the morning and you got it going that way. So I know you got to go and I ramble on because <laughs> I'm so enthusiastic about making sure we are removing the obstacles, the unnecessary obstacles that are limiting us, limiting us all from awesomeness. They're increasing our violence. They're lowering our productivity. They're increasing racism. They're increasing this, this pitiful and almost fictitious argument between politicians and, and all these things. And we are in charge of going after this. So we have good people in every party. We have good people in every country. So I'm done. Awesome. I'm off my soapbox. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So let me ask you a question. So if people wanted to find you, how, how can they find you? Well, I tell you what you can, uh, my website name is direct action, direct action.us directaction.us. My corporate name is Direct Action Incorporated. If you're interested in the military, now you don't have to be interested in the SEAL team to come to my military program. It is always free, right? It's always free. I do some GoFundMe. I'm trying to finally get my business self together and write some grants. So it's a youth, it's one of the best youth programs I've seen because I'm just going after, you all deserve programs that don't have an angle to drive you to a point. I'm trying to unleash you, like Brenda is, trying to unleash you to be your highest level self. And I can't know what that is. Only you can know. Just like Brenda, she's not telling you who to be. She's telling you how to remove the obstacles to who you are when you're awesome. You know, and it's the same thing. So directaction.us, my email address is john, J-O-H-N, at directaction.us. Nice and simple. So folks, I'm always going to answer you. It takes me some time. I'm always going to answer you. Um, nothing I do is leading to a sale. If you, I, uh, corporations, you know, and schools I work with and things, people will call, I always say. And for those of you really stressed out, it's going to sound weird. Try to volunteer some time every week. Nothing. Remember the entire self-esteem area in Maslow's, the entire Positive chemistry, self-esteem is about helping others. Parenting, being a good friend, about helping others only because it felt good for you to help others. You know, felt good for you to help others. If you want to change your life, protect your morning, do some volunteer work and stay above the line of observation. Use Jocko Willing's video. When something goes wrong, he says, good. 
<laughs> and he said, you know, his video, he talks about guys would say, I know what you're going to say. And he would say, good. Without whether he knew it or not, I don't know, but he's describing perfect brain chemistry. When you say good, you're stepping back into your higher function saying, what do I want to adjust? What do I want to adjust for next time? So I'm only 12 hours into this when I hear this, because I'll bet you knew what that employee was going to do. I'll bet you knew it, but we went on our fix it ride and did whatever, or we did our due diligence. We're just making it easier. So I've never seen anybody that's not capable of being the top 10% somewhere. Just takes the right training. And until recently, this training hasn't been out there. People have been talking about high level integrity, authenticity, blah, blah, blah. Those words mean nothing. They, they mean something to everybody, but we don't know how to put them on the street and do something. So everything you just said is so, dis, is so measurable in brain chemistry as powerful repetitions in your brain gym. You know, Remember, your default setting is to be negative. Your default setting is to increase bias and prejudice. That's your default. The more terrified a person is, the more prejudiced they will be. The more terrified a person is, the less, the less they will access their education level. They might be highly educated. They cannot access it. That's why highly educated people who watch too much news still sound like freaking idiots. <laughs> the way it goes. You're listening to them and you're thinking, wow, you are more educated than I could ever live long enough to be. And you sound like an idiot. He just crawled out from under a rock. Oh my yeah, gosh. So, this is the magic of John right here. Sorry. I'm a little, I'm a little unvarnished. I'm, I'm politically correct, but a little unvarnished um, because I think just like the SEAL team, there is opportunity for everyone at the highest level, yeah. um, the highest level, but not when you're angry. No. When you're angry and you're scared and being angry and being afraid is natural. It happens to all of us. It's constant, courageous work. Yep. to get out of that. I like that. You're awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. This has been phenomenal. Well, I ramble that. So I appreciate it. I appreciate the, uh, the audience. I'm, I'm on a mission like you are to get this word out. So people, I want people who hear this, if you're all the young people I work with, by the time they're 54, if they're really tracking this, they should be able to have thoughts and awareness testable experiences, measurable stuff that I can't imagine, that you can't imagine, and then their kids. Because if we don't do this, we're just going to end up killing each other. Yep. That's the alternative. We either keep helping each other unleash themselves with tremendous effort, but amazing awareness and great teamwork, or we just get down to killing. And I prefer we avoid that. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, dear. <laughs> All right. We'll see you. Thank you so much. You're awesome. I love the dog. He's grown so much. It's crazy. <laughs> My dogs are sitting here like bumps on a log waiting to be taken out. So I'll talk to you soon. Everybody, let me know if you need anything. I answer every email. I'm happy to help you out. And uh, everybody's welcome. I have a class this, uh, I have a class every Saturday right now at uh, 0900 PST. So uh, check on direct action. You can sign up for it. It's free, not selling you anything. I want you to explode into your life get on the right board. All right, we'll see you.